One man, one mission, to equip the Church of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and awaken the Church to the voice of the Spirit. David Cuppet brings to you the School of the Holy Spirit from one of his many missions from around the world, where he aligns with apostolic leaders to eradicate spiritual blindness and reveal the true authority of believers in Christ, to prophesy, heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the lepers. Open your heart and get ready to receive all that the Holy Spirit has for you in this week's session of the School of the Holy Spirit. School is in session. This next phase, I want to talk. What I want to talk to you about is, you know, sometimes, um, and this is just my experience. I, I get people activated in the prophetic and the gifts of the Spirit a lot. Um, there's two things that will happen when people get activated in the Spirit. One is that when I go, I carry my anointing back home with me and the people never pursue the Lord in their own relationship and so they never continue in the flow of the awakening that's in their life. Okay? And so the thing I do want you to do is actually recognize that as, as a prophetic voice, I can get you activated in the gifts of the Spirit, having visions, having dreams. I was actually extremely encouraged. I mean, Cricket came in the last time I was here, and he was like, oh my gosh, my phone's blowing up. I've got like 40 people saying I had a dream last night. They never had spiritual dreams. And so what I'm, what I'm going to encourage you to do is you actually have to find, through your own relationship with the Lord, that you actually carry an anointing. You actually have to foster and develop your anointing. And that, that functions and happens um, simply through your direct relationship with the Holy Spirit. Okay? You see, like, there's a whole bunch of people in here. And when I look at people, sometimes I see light shining on people. Sometimes I see um, an angel standing beside a person. The Lord shows me things, okay? And so... People like are excited. They step into the realm of the Spirit and they begin to flow prophetically. Um, but what determines whether or not you will continue in that, that flow is through your own direct personal relationship and recognizing that you have an anointing. How many of you know this? That gifts and call, there's three things. Gift, call, and anointing. Your gift and call are, are without repentance. You can periodically function in a gift. You can, you can somehow stumble upon your call. Um, but whether or not the power of heaven flows through you is associated with the whole, you and the Holy Spirit in agreement. That's really what your anointing is about. It's about you agreeing with the Holy Spirit. Meaning that you um, enter into a relationship and seek the Holy Spirit in a way that you value Him, you do not want the Holy Spirit to leave you. Okay? Salvation is a different thing. Salvation is in your heart. Okay? But your agreement with the Spirit, it says the Spirit will rest on you. That's, that, that's why you can stand there and you can feel the presence of God and it's like you're shaking, you're, you're, you're tr you, you tremble um, because you're in a relational connection with the Spirit and your spirit man is alive. And that is the, that's where the hunger and the thirst comes out. You actually are thirsting. You, you, you don't want anything to happen in your life that would actually jeopardize your relationship with the Spirit. 
And so out of your love for Him, the, the impact of, of sin or being separated and all the junk that's described in the Bible with whoredom and, and uh, malice and drinking and all that stuff, that stuff becomes secondary because out of your love for Him, His love flows through you. And this love, this connection with, with the Spirit of God is actually what is the, becomes the center of your life. And He's the one that actually deals with all the junk. You see, there's a lot of people in the, inside the church still struggling with sin, trying to stop sin. And stop, the stopping of sin is not your major issue. It's actually the thirsting after the Spirit to be connected with the Spirit, the anointing that rests on you. David said this, the one thing I desire that I thirst after that I have to have is the presence of God. I have to dwell in the house of the Lord. And out of that heart, the Lord, the Lord didn't say, I will, I will multiply Solomon. He, he said, I will restore the key of David. The key of David was his heart. He thirsted after the Lord. That message I preached here last time about um, David, um, the Lord not actually allowing David to build the temple, but, the, but David said, I will build you a house. I'll build, I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to actually pop a tent. I'm going to pitch a tent. And you and I, Lord, no matter where I'm at, whether it's out in the woods by myself with you, in the, in the city, in a church, I'm going to pop a tent. And I, and I am going to hold on to your presence. You're going to dwell with me. I'm going to, I'm going to pull on you. That was David's heart. Even when the Lord said, I'm, I'm not going to allow you to build me a temple, David said, I'm going to build you a house. And the Lord followed up with David's own declaration and said, you're, house, you're going to build me a house. Right? Go read it. Go, go listen to what I preached last time. So the reason I preach that is because out of the heart, your prophetic development is going to be birthed out of your heart. You see, I can tell when a person functions in a gift versus somebody functioning in their anointing. Because the anointing functions with power. A gift, a gift can speak a true prophetic word, but oftentimes it doesn't carry the weight of heaven because that person isn't continually in a deep relationship with the anointing. Amen? You see... You read the Bible, and you can read the read, read the First um, uh, and Second Samuel, and say David was a scoundrel. Why did David? Why was David picked by the Lord? And the, the you know that scripture that says the Lord actually said David is a man after my heart. A lot of people read that scripture and think that um, the that the, that uh, the the Lord actually gave David his heart. I read that scripture that David actually thirsted after God. He sought after Him. He knocked on His door. He, 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 he didn't want to live another day without the Lord. That's it. Right? That's it. That's it. Does that simplify your lives in any fashion? What are you going to change that's going to actually cause heaven to come to you? Because that's your birthright. I'm not sure how I got on this path because this is not on my notes here, but um, I got to I got to get back on my notes. But um, <laughs> are you with me on the heart? Yes. Yes. 
This, the, 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 the key of David is actually being released in here. That is the center of, of my message to you. It's not that the gifts of the Spirit. It's not um, the supernatural. It's that out of the heart of David, the Lord said He would establish His kingdom. Right? So all you have to do is be in love. And the reason I'm, I guess I'm telling you that is if you read 1 Corinthians 13, I, there's a lot of stuff that goes in churches where they, they actually misinterpret and actually justify why they don't have gifts because they read 1 Corinthians 13 and say that all we need is love. And the, what the Lord is actually saying is, out of your love, my gifts will flow. Out of, your, out of, my, out of our love together, the power of heaven will be released on earth. Right? And that's why Paul said the greatest of these is love. He's actually connecting you to the heart of God so that you would not be puffed up in pride that a supernatural thing happened because you prophesied to somebody and somebody wept or somebody had a miracle or something like that. But you would simplify your life in being thirsting after the living God. And out of the continual thirsting, it doesn't matter if you raise the dead, uh, get 5,000 people saved or one person saved or healed or whatever supernatural feat that happens, the glory goes to Him because you are in love with Him. Amen? Alright. How many of you know that if you're going to enter the King's house, you're not going to bring your way into His house? It's the, it's the way of the king, right? You honor the king. You're actually, you're actually waiting on the king to lead, to lead you instead of you expecting and trying to force something to happen. I had to learn that the hard way sometimes. Okay? Um, and I didn't make up these rules. These are the rules of Jesus. And when Jesus actually spoke this, you know, at the beginning of... I, I encourage you to go read John 6. At the beginning of John 6... Jesus is actually speaking to 5,000. He's feeding them. He's meeting their natural needs. Right? A lot of us are set up to where we expect the church to meet our natural needs. But when the church requires something of you because there's a call of God on a, on a husband and wife to do a greater thing that not only requires them to function in the higher thing, it requires certain people to come on board to enter into the new thing. It requires something. I don't know if you can feel that fall on you right now, but that is the truth of God calling you into a higher place. Okay? When Jesus started out in John 6, He was meeting their natural needs. He's actually breaking, he's actually multiplying fish and bread to actually supply their natural needs they needed to eat. Okay? And then he starts saying a key thing. He said, follow after me. Drink my blood, eat my bread. What? Even the disciples said, what is he asking of us? That is a hard saying. Those are his words. I, he goes, I am the bread that come down from heaven. I am your sustenance. I am the only thing that actually feeds you. And even the ones, the, the 70 disciples, it says, all but 12 turned away. And Jesus said, even one of them is a devil. So he's left with 11 people who literally ended up giving their life to him out of 5,000. And that was just counting the men. So there's actually probably fifteen to 20,000 people there. Right? Think about that. So, are you going to be like the multitude? 
Or are you going to be like those ones that say, Jesus, whatever you say, I will follow you. Because that, that dude, dude, listen to this. The 20,000 people down to 11. At the end of the day, 11. You see, if you gauge yourself based on all the people and the need and all the squirreling and, uh, uh, you know, people getting angry and all that stuff and I wasn't fed and why'd they give money to this guy and this guy didn't get money and all the different dynamics that happen inside of the church walls. Right? Come on, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. You got your people issues. And I wasn't supposed to start preaching this morning, but I, I, I feel like I'm preaching, but I'm, I'm preaching to people that there's a call of God on your life, that you would not enter into all that garbage, that you together would come together and hear the Lord and what the purpose and the calling is on, on the house. Is your vision bigger than what it is right now? It's huge. It's, it's beyond, right? And it requires... Um, the people to fill the slots of the positions, right? David had mighty men. David had had three, and then and then uh, thirty, and and all these different hierarchies of mighty men. David wasn't the only man, guy that killed giants. David wasn't the only guy that did supernatural things. The anointing that was on David, those men had a heart to follow after the same God that David thirsted after, and that mighty anointing came on them for the cause that came on David. So the gifts and call, the, the anointing that, that, that you're going to draw from the Lord is connected to, to the house and the building and the purpose of what the Lord has for this place. Because there's people here that are going to do supernatural things. This guy's killed giants. There's going to be other people killed giants. Right? Okay? There's going to be people where the Lord wakes up in the middle of the night and says, you're going to do this with, with, the, with th- this youth meeting. And it might be a thousand people in a little, a little thing or, you know, just something that is bigger than you. And it's going to require you to trust the Lord in a way that is beyond what you can imagine. And it's going to, you're going to have to come to the same discussion standpoint that the 20,000 had versus the 11 that followed Christ in John 6. This is a hard saying, Lord. Who, who can do it? Who can actually follow you? Who can drink your blood and eat your bread? I'm requiring your life. Okay? I'm requiring your life. There's people in here who are going to function in the gifts of the Spirit, but there's people in here who, who are the gift. Jesus, in, in, in Ephesians 4.11, Jesus, the gifts, the people called the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, they themselves, those people are the gift. You are the given one. Okay? That's different than the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which I'm going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit because everybody can develop their anointing and, and connect to the Holy Spirit and flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But there are people in here that you can't afford to allow yourself to be normal. Normal is a dirty word in the kingdom. Normal is something that actually deadens you. Measuring yourself against the multitude against even the several hundred that come inside these walls. 
I'm talking about you thirsting after Him and thirsting after Him and are willing to do the impossible thing. Alright? So, how do you prosper? I want to talk to you about two things. I want to talk to you about the pattern of the flow of the supernatural and I want to talk to you about how you actually pursue the Lord His way. Okay? I told you that when you enter the king's house, you, you don't do it your way, you do it the king's way. Okay? And so, there's a pattern in the Bible. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to rattle off some scriptures here for you. And if anybody's interested in my notes, um, I can send them to Cricket, and you guys can share, do whatever, do whatever you want. Um, <clears throat> but, probably be surprised. I, all I have is a list of scriptures. The rest of this just comes out. So, so if you want the scriptures, I'll send them to you, okay? <laughs> but there's a pattern in the Bible with the way the outpouring of the Spirit works. In Acts chapter 2 verse 5, it says, you know, the, 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 when Jesus told the disciples and the 120 in the upper room, He said, wait here. I'm going to ascend into heaven and then I'm going to send more to you. I'm going to send this supernatural ability to you. Okay? It says there was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. Right? And then it, it, it says that, the, that the, it looked like tongues of fire appeared upon the people. And the pattern was that it says that they prayed in tongues and they prophesied. Okay? In Acts chapter 19... Acts chapter 19, Paul is walking in Ephesus and it says that he came across 12 disciples and he said to them, do you, do you um, know the Holy Spirit? And they said, no, we don't know the Holy Spirit. We know Jesus. We are disciples of Jesus. And Paul said, essentially, he, he says, well, Jesus gave more. He gave the Holy Spirit. And they said, well, we want the Holy Spirit. Okay? And it says that the anointing Paul laid hands on them and all of them received the Holy Spirit. And guess what happened? They prayed in tongues. They prophesied. Okay? It goes on in the book of Eph- or in Acts chapter 19 to say that that encounter with those 12 ended up releasing a revival. Okay? Your encounter with people on the street can release a, a revival. Okay? Supernatural, but the pattern is prayed in tongues, prophesied. It's not my way; it's the King's way. Amen. He said, "I'll not do it in a way that men understand. I'll confound them to where they have to come to me my way." Okay. Acts chapter ten, verse forty-four to forty-six. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Okay? Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 14, um, Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. 1 Corinthians 14.39 I'm, I'm rattling these off because I want to talk to you about something that is supernatural. Okay? Uh, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 39 Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. Okay? So this pattern of the connection between speaking in tongues and prophecy is very clear biblically. 
Okay, Zephaniah 2 is actually, if you read Zephaniah 2, is about the release of the army of the Lord. And it says that this army of the Lord will speak in a supernatural language. Okay? You should go back and read that. The army of the Lord will speak in a supernatural language. His language. Okay? Oftentimes, it's not about the feeling. I mean, I, I fell in love originally that when I learned to pray in tongues, that the presence of God would come upon me. And I, I, I dealt with such fear that I would pray in tongues continuously because the presence of God would come and that fear would be broken simply because of the presence. And sometimes the Lord would speak to me initially when I first got into the Spirit. Sometimes He wouldn't. But it's, it's kind of like... Um, it's kind of like kickstarting a Harley. I've, I've used that that analogy with you guys. You kick, you know, Harley's hard to kick. I it it takes maybe three, four, sometimes five times, but when you turn it over, it purrs. Right? It's it's got power. Okay. And so what? What I'm? How many of you, when somebody prophesied to you or laid hands on you the first time, immediately you you prayed in tongues? How many of you would say, No, that wasn't my experience. Somebody prayed for me, and it didn't happen at first. I went home, and maybe I woke up in the middle of the night, and this language flew out of me. Or I hit the floor, and I got up off the floor, and then this language came out of me. Or even six months or a year, because you didn't really truly believe it. You actually resisted it. Right? The reason I started this whole thing out... Jesus confronted your belief system. So the issue is not the Holy Spirit and the package that He presents to you. The issue is your resistance and your expectation and what the Lord can do. And I can't, I can't explain all of this to you. All I can tell you is that when you learn to shut it off, it's, it's like you're literally jumping off a high dive and falling into the water. There's different things that the gift of tongues is for. I'm going I'm to get into that. But the, the, the reason I'm spending some time on the gift of tongues is tongues is foundational to your connection and expectation of the Spirit and the way the Lord speaks to you. Okay? Here's the deal. If you don't speak in tongues, if you've never entered into a tongue that you've actually seen visions, like Justin. Justin this morning. Justin prays in tongues. But this is the first time in his life this morning he's had a vision. Right? Right? And so, um, there's, a, there's a flow. There's a process. There's a process of you letting go of natural thought. Justin's words to me was, I couldn't understand when Hannah would talk about vision and all this stuff that she sees. And in my mind, I'm trying to rationalize it when the Spirit of God can't be rationalized. The Spirit, of, the Spirit of God is supernatural. It functions in a dimension outside of this world. And you've actually got to learn to shut your mind off that is connected to this world and allow your spirit that is connected to God. That's why when Christ comes, salvation enters your heart and He opens, Jesus becomes this door to where you step into the realm of heaven and you function in relationship because you are at His, you are at His feet. You are face to face with Him. And so you learn to become supernatural and then come back in. See, if you hear me preach, I probably don't preach like a whole lot of people. When I come to you and I preach, like those messages I preached to you in October, they all came out of a vision. 
I sought the Lord, or the Lord said, I want to reveal something in you. He took me in vision, and then he took me to the Bible to explain the vision. And so what I do to you is I open up a door for you to step into a realm of revelation based on you entering the vision the Lord gave me. And if you grab hold of the explanation and the impartation that comes with it, you step into a vision. That's what you guys do when you function prophetically or what you will do. Okay? You're allowing a person that is bound in darkness, bound in insignificance, bound in hopelessness, bound in despair, and you speak to them, and you're actually pulling their spirit man through the door of Christ, through salvation into the realm of heaven, that suddenly they can feel the presence of God in a way that they could never feel before. And suddenly they weep, they cry, they shake. That's what in, in 1 Corinthians 14, I encourage you to spend some time in there this afternoon reading 1 Corinthians 14 because it's all about the gifts of the Spirit. At the end, at the end of 1 Corinthians 14, Paul talks that, that says that when the voice of God flows through the, through the, through the prophetic, that the people will weep. They will fall on their face and get up glorifying the Lord, knowing that no man could have said or done that to them, that that had to be the living God. Right? The Lord cuts through that hard heart. And so the way you learn to cut through that hard heart is you actually have to learn to take a step back and allow yourself to step back out of your natural thought process and connect to the Spirit. It's a relational dynamic that, that, that functions and grows over time. You actually have to develop your spirit man. So let me, let me talk about developing your spirit man. Okay? Um, Paul said this in, uh, oh, where is it at? Um, Jude chapter 1 verse 20, it says, build yourself up in your most holy emotions. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Okay? So, when you pray in tongues, how many of you don't know what to pray for as you ought? The Bible actually addresses that. Romans 8, 26 and 27. I'll come back to that scripture in a minute, but Romans 8, 26 and 27 says, For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Holy Spirit speaks through intercession, praying through us, words we don't understand. It's not about you initially having understanding. It's about you trusting the way of the King. The King actually gave you His Holy Spirit that you would trust in a supernatural way and not your own rationalized thought process that will never give you the answers. Tongues is the way that allows you to step into heaven because after 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes of prayer, suddenly you step out of the natural and your spirit steps into the supernatural where you should be able to actually hear the Lord. And that's why the pattern is that they first prayed in tongues and then they prophesied. And just because you haven't prophesied yet or you haven't seen vision doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It's, just, it's a growth process. We are growing in the Spirit. Okay? We're growing in the Spirit. And so the question is, let me, let me, I think I'll answer your question. The question is, how do I grow in the Spirit? You pray in tongues. Jesus said, 
Those are the words of Jesus in in Romans 8. He actually gives you the the question. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Holy Spirit makes intercession with groanings, with with a language we don't understand. Okay? I get up every day of my life. Ever since I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I fell in love with Jesus. I fell in love with the presence of God. And I immediately, the first night I got filled with the Holy Ghost, Jesus sat on my bed. And some of you heard, heard me tell the story the last time. But Jesus sat on my bed and spoke to me. I knew it was Him all night long. Will you speak for me? Will you speak for me? And I gave Him every excuse in the book. And finally, at about 5 o'clock in the morning... I, I finally, after the last time he asked, I said, all right, if I'm, if I'm asked, I'll speak, but I don't like to speak in front of people, okay? <laughs> Only if I'm asked. And he was like, boom, he got what he wanted. And I'm still sitting there after all night, shaking in the Holy Spirit. The hair on my arms is shaking. I feel like I'm on fire. And the, the King of Glory is sitting beside me all night long, speaking and asking me one question, will you speak for me? You know what happened within hours after that? Sunday morning, I, I, this is now Sunday morning, I went over, got in the shower, I went downstairs, didn't say a word to my wife because days before that I was an alcoholic, I drank, I, I tried to drown myself in, in, in alcohol because I, I, you know, I had a good job, but if this is all the world is, man, I got I to try to keep myself numb, Right? Right? And so I have this encounter. Jesus is speaking to me all night long and she doesn't know me as the guy who speaks to Jesus. She knows me as the guy connected to the world who numbs himself. Right? And so she asked me a question. Man, that was pretty cool last night. What happened? Right? We should go back to that church. I'm sitting there eating my cereal going, okay, all right, let's go back. We go. It's Sunday morning. We walk in. The prophetic guy gets back up in the pulpit. He stands there. He starts to preach. And the next thing I know, he jumps down off the pulpit. He comes back the aisle and said, he looks at me and he says, the Lord told me that last night you cut a deal with him. That if you were asked to speak, you would speak. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he took me up front. He took me up front. I had spoken in tongues for the first time in my life hours earlier and the prophet knew what I cut a deal with my discussion with the Lord and with hours the Lord has me standing in front of a church and these words start flowing out of my mouth that I have no idea. And I'm talking that Jesus is real. I thought He wasn't real but oh my God I got touched by the Holy Ghost and suddenly now the Lord actually positioned me to speak for him. It only took hours. He prayed in tongues and then he prophesied. Are you kidding me? You see, the Lord convinced me of the supernatural within hours of him encountering me supernaturally. And that's why I'm so convinced. That's why nobody can talk me out of the will of the Holy Spirit because he taught me firsthand. Paul actually said this about the spirit life. If you read Romans 8, Romans 8 is about transitioning out of the way of the law, seeing the Bible through the way of the law, recognizing that Jesus is the door that gets you into the spirit world. And Romans 8 actually begins to talk to you about what it's like to live in the spirit. And at the end of Romans 8... Paul says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angel or demon, nor power nor principality, nor anything future or anything present shall be able to separate me from my love. From the love of my God. 
Nothing. Nothing shall separate me. You see, I know the Spirit of God. And I'm here to actually grab hold of you, to pull you through the door of Christ into the new realm of the Spirit that He has for you, that you fluently, that you fluently hear the voice of God. And so why do you pray in tongues? Is because you expect the Lord to speak to you just like He spoke to Jeremiah and you expect that when the Lord speaks, He is well able to execute what you prophesy. So the pattern, the biblical pattern, they prayed in tongues and prophesied is actually the pathway on how you hear the voice. Okay? So there's two scriptures I want to go over with you before we pray. In 1 Corinthians 14, um, there's a pattern that continues in the pattern. 1 Corinthians 14. he, He says, I will pray in the Spirit and then I will pray with understanding. What that means is by, by the Spirit, you actually draw the Lord to speak to you. And then you actually, what did I tell you? What if you had the vision of the Lord and you agreed and you prophesied? You actually agreed and released what the Lord showed you in vision? The reason people cry and weep when I prophesy to them is I know through my experience that what the Lord shows me, He is well able to do. People may not understand it. They may get offended at first. I, Jesus going to cut off my legs? Yeah, He's going to equip you with bionic legs. You're going to run faster than you ever run before, dude. It's going to be a super, supernatural walk. Right? But my point is, you pray in tongues, you pray with understanding, knowing that just like with Jeremiah, what you see, He actually is executing. He's cutting something away and He's building something up. Amen? That's the way of the Holy Ghost. He never leaves you how He found you. He actually, he actually, if you are in a relationship with Him, what you were last week is not what you are today because He's building you. He's expanding your vision. He's letting you continue in the vision He has for your life. Amen? Amen. And so, I think I went over this scripture last time I was here in one of the messages, but if you could pull up Isaiah 28, verse 9 to 11, in the Amplified. There's a key question the Lord says here. He says, Of whom will He teach knowledge? Now, to the average person, they look at the word knowledge and they're thinking, how do I learn the way of God? This written word, what do, what do I know of it? But that's not what that word knowledge means. That word knowledge is, the root word of that word is the word yada. It's the word intimacy. It's the word that uh, the first time it's used in the Bible, it says when Adam knew his wife. When Adam knew his wife, they became one. They became intimate. And the Lord is saying, to whom will I reveal myself to? Whom will I become intimate with? He's talking about the difference between a spiritual intimacy versus simply um, knowing words on a page. The difference between Jesus standing in front of the Pharisee who saw and was intimate with his father day in and day out through visual contact versus the Pharisee who simply tried to act a part and read words on a page. Two different things. So whom will I teach Intimacy. To whom will I teach knowledge? Ask the drunkards. Whom will he make to understand the report? The the message. He asks the question, those who are babies just weaned from the milk and taken from the breast? For it is his prophets. Go on to the next, the, 
verse 10. For it is his prophets repeating over and over, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. He's actually, that is the, that is, that is what he's reflecting there is somebody just standing up and reading the Bible. Is it somebody just voicing what is written in Scripture? Or is somebody actually releasing the interpretation of the Lord? Is somebody releasing the prophetic word of the Lord? There's a difference. Go on to the next verse 11. He answers the question for you. No. I won't teach you by simply reading. I won't teach you by playing Bible trivia. I won't teach you about learning 66 books and all that stuff. Those are good things to know. But the Lord, it says, the Lord teaches the noble in a more humiliating way. Humiliating, meaning that you have to have humility to lay down your way and enter into His way. Because His way is supernatural. And it may sound like gibberish and ja-ja-bah to the natural mind, but the Lord says, you are actually speaking my language. You are speaking something I understand. The Spirit in you is actually engaging through the Holy Ghost that I sent you, and I am interpreting your need. I am interpreting your heart. I am actually knowing what... I am actually pulling you into me and me into you. There's a connection. No. I will teach you and I will teach the rebels in a more humiliating way with men of a stammering lip and another tongue. You mean that instead of maybe and this this is this is this is this is this might this might shake you a little bit. But you mean that I need to center my life and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that if you don't pray in tongues and pray in the Holy Ghost, you're not, it has nothing to do with salvation. This has, this has everything to do with you stepping into the next realm of heaven that the Lord has for the dimension that the Lord wants to open over this city. Because in order for you to invade this city, you've got to function in a greater degree of supernatural ability. Something you've never done before. And the way you do it is you enter deeper into the way of the Lord instead of continuing in your routines. Okay? Instead of continuing in your routines, He says, I will teach you. I will be intimate with you. I will share my secrets with you. I will not only address your heart, I will address the heart of the people around you. I will begin to release my voice over the city. I'm looking for one to agree with me. I'm looking for one. I've taught you today probably one of the most powerful aspects of a relational connection with the Holy Spirit to the spirit world in connection with your love for Him and how you value and expect in Him supernaturally and that that opens heaven in your life and through your life. And so my hope is not only are you saved, there is so much more than just being saved. The kingdom of God is about invasion. The kingdom of God is about taking land. Did you, did, wasn't there a post on your Facebook, you and Jen taking land? Yes. Yeah. It, this, the kingdom is about you entering into a new thing because the Lord led you into a new thing because He promised it to you. Do you know everything you're promised? Do you pursue what you're promised? Are you praying the way of the Lord? You see, if you're still asking the question, I don't know what to pray for as I ought. 
but the Holy Spirit makes intercession for me. Your answer is in the very same Scripture, Romans 8.26, because He says, I'm not teach you. I'm not, you, can read, you can read this Bible without the Holy Spirit all day long, but unless you are pulling on the Holy Spirit and expecting the Holy Spirit to flow through you, you'll not understand. You'll go down all these different paths like these Pharisees creating all these traditions and routines that don't actually produce fruit. Okay? So the analogy, when you read the Hebrew, when you you piece all this together, um, I studied, the the Lord had me study this out years ago. The, the, the Hebrew meaning of this scripture, verse, verse 11, the Lord will teach you in a humi- more humiliating way. It's a picture of a mother feeding a baby. When the baby cries, does the mother have to think to turn on the milk? When the baby cries, the milk flows. So the power, is it in the mother or is it in the child? Wait a minute. I just crossed you into a level of responsibility that you may have never experienced before. So if the child is hungry, if the child is thirsty, the child begins to cry like a baby and the mother's milk is not like, um, it's not if it's going to flow, it's going to flow. So as a child of God, as a simple child, The number one thing you hear in a church, I don't know where I'm supposed to go. Can you feel the pull of God on this? I mean, there's something entering this room right now. There, there is, a, there is, a, there is a, a, an intercession that's being released right now, not only for your own life, but for the people around you. Okay? That if, that if, I, that if I simply enter into the way of the Spirit, that my Father in Heaven will hear me, not if He hears me, He will hear me, and He will begin to release Himself into my life. He will release vision into my life, not only for me, but the people around me. And heaven will invade earth. My Father who who reigns in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Bring it, Lord. I'm coming your way. I'm knocking on your door. I'm thirsty. I'm going to cry the way a child cries for his mother's milk. I will knock on your door till I hear you, till I am given vision. Amen. Amen. So the way of the Spirit is the way of the King. So do you center your life on the way of the King? The way of the Word in heaven? That's the way the Lord speaks. Now don't get me wrong. There's other ways. I mean, there's, there's people that just have different giftings and different things. But I'm saying if you're in a bind, if you actually are pursuing the Lord, if you are expecting the Lord, you don't know what He is actually seeking or feeling or wanting to do in a situation, I, I learned, had to learn to enter into the supernatural realm of the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Because I know if I pray supernaturally, the milk flows. Yes. You feel that cleansing? See, all, the, all that junk of your mind of you don't know what you're supposed to do, you don't know you're never going to go somewhere, you're, you're, all the wrong image, all that stuff gets washed away in the, in the Spirit. Okay? And all, all I've done is open a door for you to say, I'm going to do it the way of the Spirit. I'm going to enter into the way of the Spirit because the next thing that happens is that the wind begins to blow. Okay? The wind begins to blow. Did Jesus not promise dreams and visions? Yeah. 
Job 2.28, the outpour of the Spirit. And so as, as a child cries out to its mother, the milk flows. Criso, mashe, brete, ato, brete, ato, cool. The flow of the Spirit begins to flow. You begin getting vision. And dreams and visions, the, pro- the promise of the Father. Jesus said, wait here in the city till I send the promise of the Father. And there's so many interpretations of the promise of the Father, but I just actually explained to you the, 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 the explanation of the promise of the Father, the way of the promise of the Father. That it is a continuous release of promise. And out of, that, out of the way that you approach Him in prayer, I don't know what to pray for as I ought. Yeah, can I tell you this? There are dreams, the, 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 the vision I gave you at the start, that I saw people with desks, and Jesus hands out a piece of paper and a pen. And you just simply begin to write. Can I tell you, my wife, my wife actually still reads my dreams and my visions. And we actually talk continuously about my dreams and visions. About what the Lord is speaking to me. And I will actually, some, some days of the week, I'll actually pull out my book. And the Lord will take me to a certain dream or vision. And I will begin to prophesy that until I, I feel a breakthrough in the Spirit. Because just like Jeremiah, what he shows you, he will execute. And he's waiting for somebody to agree with it so powerfully that it comes out of your mouth. And sometimes one time isn't enough. Sometimes a week is enough. Sometimes a year isn't enough. Can I tell you the significance of why the Lord showed me you sitting at a desk? In 2015, the Lord, in a dream, the Lord woke me up in the dream. And he walked me down to uh, my office that's in the basement of my house. He opens the door, and when I walk in the door, there's this young girl, like 20 years old, sitting at a desk. She has a pen in her hand, and she's writing on this piece of paper. And I said, Lord, who is that? And he takes the piece of paper, and he walks over, and he puts it on my desk. And in front of my desk, I have this big screen TV. And when he put it on my desk, he put a pen in my hand and he says, your great-great-grandmother had a vision that her grandson, great-great-grandson, one day would go to the nations. And I'm honoring what she prophesied. And he sat me at my desk in the dream. And all of a sudden, the big screen TV lit up and I saw myself standing in front of thousands of people. And you've got to realize at this time, the biggest crowd that I ever was in front of was maybe a several hundred in a church. And the Lord has actually takes me in a dream to reveal that my great-great-grandmother sat at a desk and prophesied. Can you picture her actually hearing the, the word of Lord, the Lord that the, her great-great-grandson would go to the nations in a time where they had to get on a boat In the 1800s, I had to get on a boat to go around the world that took six months. So to get to the nations back then was virtually not possible for the average guy. And she's prophesying, and the Lord says, I'm honoring what your great-great-grandmother prophesied over your life. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there. And I, dude, I'm telling you what, you want to talk about trembling? When I woke up, I'm, 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 I'm laying beside my bed, weeping, because I saw what my great-great-grandmother prophesied in Jesus Christ, the one who holds, who actually gave her the vision, and he held what she spoke, and he brought it to me to release something through me. 
Within months of that, I had several other encounters with the Lord, and you, some of you heard my story, but the next thing, I'm standing in front of thousands of people on the other side of the world, and I knew new, nobody in India. That is not a possible thing. And so I'm, the reason I'm telling you that is because I, I told you all this stuff about entering into a supernatural realm. It's supernatural. You can't think it. You, you, can't, you, you, you can't create it on your own. You have to enter into the king's way, and the king speaks to you supernaturally. Amen. And the vision he is ready to execute. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. That will mess you up, man. <laughs> because that is not possible for a man to do. Yeah. It's not possible. So Jesus, Jesus, um, uh, th- this is the last scripture, and then we're going to pray. One last scripture about the gifts of the Spirit, and then we're going to pray. First uh, Corinthians twelve, verse one. Um, I'm just going to read verse 1. I'm going to paraphrase the rest through verse 10. Now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. Okay, that's the amplified. Um, in, in, the, in the New King James, it actually says, I do not want you to be ignorant. The description of what, what that actually means is the word gifts doesn't actually exist in that scripture. It was actually written in by the King James writer because he didn't have a word that explained what the Hebrew understanding or the the Greek understanding of what that word meant. Concerning spiritual, it actually is the word, concerning the spiritual life, it's actually the word pneumaticos. It means the way of the Spirit. Concerning the way of the Spirit, I do not want you to be ignorant. And he goes on to say that the gifts of the Lord, the way the Lord speaks out of you, through you, to other people, he lists them. Words of knowledge, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, miracles, faith, healing, wisdom, discerning of spirits. Verse 31 says, But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. You see, you can get through your Christian walk without the gifts of the Spirit, but you'll not do much that's supernatural. Right? And so, a lot of you got awakened because you tasted of a supernatural realm. You entered into something you had never experienced before. Right? It shook you. It's unexplainable. God overwhelmed you. Okay? But it's actually because your pastors let God move. Do you know when I go to some churches, I get channeled down? I get a throttle put on me? I get a cage put around me? This guy didn't, this guy didn't put anything on me. When he called me, I said, listen man, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you, uh, I have one speed, it's on or off, right? And, and, and he, he says, ah, yeah, I, I, whatever the Lord speaks, man, whatever the Lord, I, I believe it, right? He had a dream. He had, I, I got off the phone, I was dumbfounded because there's, 
I can count on my hand the number of relationships that I have where a pastor hands me a microphone and doesn't throttle me. Yeah. Right? I'm sure there's certain things I would say or do that would probably cause, <laughs> cause, cause, cause cricket to go wrong. But I'm just saying in general, the heart to pull on God to release the new thing, the next thing, right? That's not, that, that's not normal. And that's why I'm, I'm so in awe that the Lord gave this guy a dream to call me and somehow I'm standing in front of people that are asking me what I thirst after. You, you, you think you're, you're being fed? You have no idea that this is actually feeding me, that the Lord actually has people on this earth that He's put a hunger in. To, he's actually trying to separate your mind from the dead things that you grew up with in dead religion so that you enter into the new relationship of the supernatural. That when you pray supernaturally, not only is a power released, but prophecy, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because the Lord actually says, I do not want you to be ignorant of the wind. I do not want you to actually walk without the wind. Now here's the kicker. And we'll, we'll close this session with this. Jesus said this to, to, uh, to Nicodemus. John chapter 3. Nicodemus was one of the few Pharisees that got awakened by Christ, but he wouldn't come to him in the day. He came to him in the night. He felt something inside that he never felt before. Right? And there's this discussion that goes back with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is trying to understand, what do you mean you must be born again? And then there's question, and then Jesus goes, um, you must be born of water and the Spirit. And then I think it's verse 7 or 8. Jesus says this. He goes, those who are born of the Spirit are moved by the wind. You don't hear that preached a whole lot. Because it's connected to life in the Spirit, being made alive in the Spirit, versus all this screwy stuff that can happen by just knowing what Jesus said on paper. See, life in the Spirit actually eliminates the fact that you walk according to your own mind in your own way. You subject your life to the way of the Spirit and the wind of God blows you through. It blows you through the church. You first learn to prophesy and do different things in the church and then you find yourself being led by the Lord out on the street and then the Lord awakens you to maybe a dream that your great-great-grandmother had and prophesied decades ago and releases you into this realm that is supernatural. Can I tell you that, every, the God, that God, God has a plan for your life that is beyond anything you can ask or think? And you've settled. A lot of you have settled. You're being drawn to a new thing, but a lot of people inside the walls of church settle for just coming back next Sunday when the Lord is desiring for you to have this intimate, daily, routine relationship where the supernatural actually isn't the intent of it. It's the result of your love for this living God. Because you're in love with wanting to know Him in spirit, supernatural just flows out of your life. Amen? Thank you for joining this week's episode of the School of the Holy Spirit. For more information or to request David at your church or conference, please go to davidcuppet.org. D-A-V-I-D-C-U-P-P-E-T-T dot O-R-G. You can also find the School of the Holy Spirit podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Charisma Magazine. For a deeper dive into the Holy Spirit, we encourage you to purchase David's new book, The Key of David, Experiencing the Voice of God, available on Amazon. We pray that you will encounter the Holy Spirit in a transforming way and become all that Christ has prophesied over your life.